I think when it comes to health, we need to be putting so much more effort into prevention um, rather than just treating problems when they're there. Welcome to the Wellbeing Champions podcast brought to you by Loonbase. My name is Aaron. And my name is Tom. This is the Wellbeing Champions podcast, where we bring you pearls of wisdom from the best and brightest in the wellbeing world. We aim to share knowledge and learn from others on how to enable people to truly work and live well. On today's episode, we welcome Joe Julian. Joe is an experienced physiotherapist in the NHS, where she works as a specialist in musculoskeletal disorders. She's director at Wombat Limited, who provide in-person and more recently virtual well-being programs for businesses and schools. Home working has brought many complaints of musculoskeletal pain with less than ideal workstation setups. To help solve this problem, and with a passion for prevention of illness, Joe founded Worklife Ergonomics. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So we like to start each episode with our fast five warm-up questions. So when you're ready, Joe, do you prefer tea or coffee? Uh, tea, but it has to be red bush tea. Oh, caffeine, caffeine free, is it? Caffeine-free, oh. yeah. Uh, what's your favourite day of the week and why? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Friday, probably. So today, yeah. Looking forward to the weekend. Good. Yeah, roll, roll on the weekend. Yeah, I like Friday. So do you prefer a standing or sitting desk? So I prefer a sitting desk, if I'm honest. Um, there's a lot of controversy around standing desks. Um, people think that actually a standing desk is better, but if you're just going to replace standing for seven hours compared to sitting for seven hours it's really just shifting your aches to somewhere else um, so my message is always about get up and move as much as you can and I think you're more likely to do that when you're sitting great and are you a night owl or an early riser early riser definitely um, I love a good morning routine of getting up early doing some exercise um, and starting the day well and you mentioned you ran you ran already this morning so yeah yeah you're feeling fresh and energized yeah, I've been out for a 5K run this morning um, and followed by a nice health, healthy breakfast. Um, yeah, it sets me up well for the day. And if I'm honest, I can't really work work late into the evenings. And if you were to live in isolation on a desert planet, which three things would you take with you and why? Oh, good question. Um, so I'd, I've got a friend actually who was on the island with Bear Grylls. Um, so having watched his episodes of the island and how he survived, I think I'd probably have to take survival gear. So um, things like a, a fish hook, a knife, and um, some way of getting some good fresh water. Oh, very pragmatic. I like that. So, yeah, Joe, tell us a little bit about, about your background and how you came up with work-life ergonomics and how you got into the field, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. So I um, I qualified as a physiotherapist a long time ago. So I've now been a, a physio for over 20 years. Um, I've worked in the NHS all of that time. Um, really have enjoyed being part of the NHS and seeing how it's developed and grown over the years. Um, I love being a physio. It's a really rewarding job. Um, it's very much about caring for people and it's so rewarding when somebody comes to you with a problem that's really very debilitating um, as part of their life. You know, pain, which is what most people come to us about, is, is really debilitating and it can really affect your emotions um, and your mental health as well. And when we help people and they actually get back part of their life that they've been missing, so they're able to do those things in life that they really love and enjoy, there's nothing better than that. So um, being a physio is, is incredibly rewarding. 
Absolutely. Joe did a workplace assessment of my setup yesterday here in our offices, all done remotely, all done in about half an hour. Some great tips are taken. So if we start then in terms of what are the big problems that you think people are encountering either in their home setups or in their office setups, what are the top three big problems that you think are most common problems? Yeah, so um, I'd say the top top three are really neck pain, um, back pain and headaches. Um, so when it comes to neck pain, um, there's a lot of people out there that are working from their kitchen table. And if your kitchen table is too high, that means when you're sitting at it on a normal chair, actually your elbows are slightly lower than your desk. Um, and actually from an ergonomic point of view, it's much better to have your elbows slightly higher than the desk because then your um, wrists and hands are free floating when you're typing, which takes the strain off your, your neck and your um, sort of shoulder area. Um, so that's really important for people to be aware of is that kitchen tables are higher and therefore you do need to raise yourself up. But you can raise yourself up on um, cushions, um, but that might mean then your feet aren't comfortable on the floor. So you might need to put um, something underneath your feet, like a couple of books or a, a little stool. What else? So that was neck and shoulder pain. Um, when it comes to back pain, backs don't like to be static for long periods of time. Backs like to move. People are finding that they're sitting in one position a lot, a lot longer than they may be used to in the office. Um, so my advice for these people is, is move regularly. But also um, on a standard office chair, lots of office chairs actually have an unlocking mechanism which means you can actually unlock it and then it can be free floating, which basically means that it's not in one position. So you can be typing away, um, doing a piece of work and then stop typing and then your chair will automatically allow you just to go backwards. Um, and that's just getting a little bit of movement into your day. Um, yeah, loads of people out there don't even realise that their chair has this unlocking mechanism. So. My advice to your listeners is to go and have a really good look at your office chair, have a play around with all the levers and um, see what it can do. I can see Aaron clicking his levers at the moment. He's <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so some office spaces have really excellent supportive chairs. And then if obviously when you're moving home, you might not have the access to them. Are there any types of chairs that you particularly recommend or things that people should avoid? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think when it comes to um, having a chair at home, um, it's not about how much money you spend at all. Um, I think that's one of the myths out there, that the more money you spend, the better the chair. Um, I think the basic things that a good office chair needs to have is the ability to go up and down so that you can actually position yourself in an optimum height in relation to your desk or your table that you're working from. Also, your chair does need to be comfortable in regard to supporting your whole back. Um, so again, it doesn't need to have one of these lumbar supports that goes up and down. Um, you know, that's an added benefit, but it doesn't need it. You just need something that fully supports your back. And also, if you've got a chair with arms, you need to make sure that those arms can go up or down or even be removed if your table is of a height where having arms would prevent you actually getting underneath your desk because you want to get as close to your desk as possible. Um, this is because when you're actually sitting at your desk and you're typing, you'd like to have your shoulder in line with your elbow. And if you can't get your chair underneath your desk, then you find that you're reaching quite far forwards, which again is more likely to put strain on the sort of neck muscles um, and the head area as well. 
I suppose the other thing that can put strain on people's necks is where the their screen is positioned, and obviously if that might be too high or too low. Are there any yeah? Are there any tips that you've got about where's the best place a screen should be positioned to to reduce strain on neck and shoulders? Yeah, absolutely. So that was something that cropped up with you yesterday, mm-hmm. Tom, wasn't it? Actually, your screen was. Um, I don't often see this. <laughs> you had your screen too high, um, which meant that your neck was not in that nice neutral position. You were sort of looking up quite a lot. Um, so the best way of seeing if your screen is at a good height for you is actually to draw an imaginary line from your eyes to the screen. And you want that line to hit the top of the screen. Um, so the sort of casing of the screen, as it were. And that means that then when you're doing your work, you're actually just using your eyes to um, change your position and see the work that you're working on rather than your neck. Um, But again, you don't need um, lots of expensive equipment to get your screen to the right height. You can put it up on books or sort of stacks of paper. Um, But there are also, um, for laptops, there are some useful um, laptop stands or notebook recliners, they're called, um, that can be quite helpful to, to bring that laptop up to a better height as well. That's great, yeah. I um, chopped my stand in half straight after our phone call, so we're uh, <laughs> now we're at a much more comfortable height. <laughs> yeah. The, um, I mean, you had some great tips to me about, about triggers for you know, for movement. And we talked about people being on the, you know, people being on the phone and using that as a trigger. Is that something that you often recommend? Yeah, so um, do you mean being on the phone and actually using a phone call as a way of getting up and moving around? Yeah, definitely. And um, my husband's a great example for this. I often walk in on him having work phone calls and he's just sitting down um, because that's that's habitual, isn't it? That's what we often do. Um, But if you can get up and walk around your garden or your house um, hands free on your on your telephone, then that's a great way of moving. That's great, and I think I've, yeah, I've seen some studies that said actually, yeah, people who are moving around and walking um, are more, you know, are more energetic, more optimistic, and can project that even through the phone. So um, even um, taking it to a different level as well, and saying, you know, if you don't want to walk around, then just standing at your kitchen worktop, um, you know, with your notebook, um, that would change your position. So actually, you could do some standing standing phone calls. Um, if you go to another level, you could even go out and have a walking meeting. So yes, you can't necessarily stand next to somebody and have a walk at the moment in this pandemic but you could be having that hands-free phone call and being out for a walk in yeah. nature and yeah, bring bring back the selfie sticks for zoom calls hey yeah that would be a good idea <laughs> yeah i was actually reading about um a writer the other day who said that she had seen her word count increase significantly so the number of words that she was writing per day for her book um, she saw it increase significantly by actually just being outdoors and walking and dictating. Um, oh. She said that that just obviously energised her, made her a lot more productive compared to her sitting there and trying to type out those words. Yeah, really powerful, I think. Hopefully as the weather starts picking up now, approaching spring, that people feel more motivated to go outdoors and, and utilise that. So say if I was an, em- an employer then and I have, um, you know, I have 100 staff working for me and, and I'm mindful of the fact that most of them are home working and I approach you, to perform an assessment on some of those staff how does that how does that process work and, and, and what might that feel like yeah okay um so we'd uh, we come into that that business um and obviously we'd um get a list of all the team members um and the first thing that we would do would be survey those team members to understand what their homework station setup was like 
But going alongside that, we give them lots of sort of prompts with regard to photographs and videos about how they can improve their homework setup. Now, if they haven't been able to improve it um, in relation to the guidelines that we have provided for them um, because of their, their setup, you know, their kitchen table might not have the ability to get their legs under or something. Um, they might not have a separate keyboard, um, which is actually one of the requirements. Then this might trigger for them to have a video platform sort of assessment with us, which is what I did with you yesterday, Tom. Mm -hmm. um, and then we could individually look at their home setup and sort of problem solve um, how they can fit in with the guidelines that we've actually provided for them. Um, and I think physios are great at doing this. Um, we're constantly problem solving with regard to people coming in with their pain issues and us understanding where their problem's coming from and how to actually solve that for them. Um, also, so we'd identify if that team member did need an assessment or didn't need an assessment. And obviously if that team member was getting any comfort issues, then we provide them with an assessment as well to, to understand their comfort issue in relation to their home workstation setup. So that comfort issue might be neck pain, back pain, headaches, um, arm pain, um, a number of different things. Um, the other thing that we do as part of our um, management sort of platform is we offer a comfort hotline. So that means that if somebody does start developing any comfort issues, then they can give us a call or email us um, sort of confidentially. And then we can give them that first aid advice from a chartered physiotherapist about how to manage that issue and prevent it becoming um, a bigger issue. Um, as I said at the beginning, I'm very much about prevention, but also if people can get the right advice early on, it's much less likely to become sort of that bigger, more long-term issue. Um, which can result in time off work and obviously really affect people's emotions and, and mental health as well. You mentioned the health and safety executive and, and some of the requirements about keyboards. Are there any other requirements that people should be aware of from, from the legal aspect of things? Yeah, um, so really just an awareness that actually the health and safety executive asks that um, people are given the same care at home as they would be in the office. Um, so really, we should be ensuring that our staff are looked after from a health and safety point of view, whether they're working from home or, or in the office. So, Joe, are there any specific exercises or very specific form of exercise that people should be doing that they aren't aware of? Yeah, great question. Um, I think when it comes to exercise, the most important thing is that you're doing something you enjoy. So there is no one best form of exercise, you know, um, Pilates isn't better than yoga, um, running isn't better than walking. Um, it really is about choosing something that suits you as a person and makes you feel happy. You're much more likely to continue engaging with exercise if it, if it lifts you and makes you feel, feel happy and makes you feel you're achieving something. So definitely just choose something that you're going to do regularly and you're going to stick at. Um, when it comes to forming um, habits for exercise. I guess it's worth bearing in mind that there's three types of main exercise. One is cardiovascular, so that's going out for a walk or a run. Um, and the current NHS guidelines are that you do 150 minutes of cardiovascular exercise during a week. Um, but this doesn't need to be all in one go. And the sort of moderate exercise that they're talking about is doing something that would allow you to 
sort of still have a conversation with somebody, um, but you wouldn't necessarily be able to sing them a song. So that's the sort of level that you're wanting to be working at. The other type of exercise is flexibility. So naturally, as we age, we get stiffer. Um, so stiffness can often lead to aches and pains. So doing something on a regular basis that keeps you flexible is really important. And I can, I can definitely say from personal experience, probably about five years ago, I kept getting little bouts of back pain um, that would last maybe a week or so and then go away. I realized that I was getting older <laughs> and this was my trigger to actually starting doing some yoga, something I'd never done before. Um, and now I have a habit of doing 15 minutes of yoga three times a week, um, just off an app. Um, and actually that's resolved the problem for me. It's never come back. So again, I think it's really important to be aware of building some flexibility work into your day, but be realistic with how much time you have available. You know, for me, I didn't have the time to be doing an hour's yoga session, but I did have 15 minutes in the morning and that works for me and that's helped. Um, the third type of exercise that's really important to be aware of is strength. Um, so again, naturally, as we age, we get weaker. Um, there's a statistic out there that suggests after the age of 30, if we're not doing things to actually maintain our strength, um, then we lose three to five percent of our muscle bulk every year. Um, so that's quite a shocking statistic. But the great news is, is actually if you do engage in things to keep you strong, then that doesn't happen. Um, and this, again, can be really easy. It can be doing 10 or 20 squats. It can be doing press ups on the wall. It can be getting um, a sort of small bottle of water and doing some bicep curls. Um, it doesn't need to be anything that takes too long um, or requires too much equipment, but definitely building some cardiovascular, some flexibility and some strength work into your day. And I, I suppose after my um, in-depth assessment yesterday, I've got my my list of recommendations and some of which have been enacted already and some are yet to be enacted, but I'll, um, I'll go through them and maybe you can point at any that are particularly of note or particularly listeners might find helpful. Uh, yes, we talk about bringing the keyboard closer than I might have first thought and making sure that the chair is fully underneath the, uh, the desk in front of you to really get right up close and snug. You mentioned about how to best support your thighs using the ability of the chair to push forward and and to help support the thighs. So only if I was to put my hand under my um, um, under my knee, um, it, there's only a few fingers before it touches the back of the chair. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So ideally, you want so between two and four fingers um, between the back of the chair and your knee crease. That's great. And keeping the wrist in the neutral position by making sure that you're um, making sure that the elbows are slightly higher than the desk when rested. Yeah, absolutely. And that means that when you're typing, your wrists are actually free floating they're not resting down on the table because if your wrists are resting down on the table you're putting quite a lot of pressure on that wrist area and that can lead to um, symptoms of kind of um, pins and needles or pain into the fingers which people might know as carpal tunnel syndrome. Mm -hmm. Yeah I've dropped my monitor a few inches uh, make sure the top of the monitor is in line with the um, in line with the level of your eye which was yeah that was definite news to me and I uh, yeah it does feel comfortable <laughs> more comfortable already and um, yeah I'm, I'm gonna promise myself that when I'm on the phone I'm moving so uh, I think that's a yeah that, that for me is a great trigger you pick up the phone and you get out the chair and you're moving yeah and it is it is about having those triggers isn't it it's um it's not easy to form new habits and I think we all need to be realistic about that we can we can have some really good goals and views but actually forming habits is um it's quite tricky. I was reading a fantastic article the other day by BJ Fogg 
um, who seems to be the guru when it comes to forming habits. And um, he's got some really good tips out there um, about making making the habit you want to form easy. So don't set your goals too big. Um, so if it's something like I want to start exercising daily, then make that maybe five minutes to start with rather than thinking I want to be going out for a 20 or a 30 minute walk. Um, he also wanted to himself build up upper body strength. And he realized actually if he said, I want to try and do 20 press ups a day, that wasn't going to happen for him. So what he actually did is he set himself a trigger for every time he went to the toilet at home, he'd come out of the bathroom and he'd do two press ups. And that was all he was expecting himself to do. But uh, well, generally, he'd find that he'd maybe do two or five or even 10. And actually, at the end of the day, he'd done quite a lot of press ups and had, had built quite a lot of muscle mass. Um, so, yeah, he, he's a really good person to follow, BJ Fogg. No, yeah, great. Yeah, no, we, yeah, we, we love him and the work that he's, yeah, the work he's pushed out is great and has, has driven a lot behind of you know what Loombase is about. We've um, a lot of the stuff he's highlighted. We've we, uh, we've we've built into the platform. That's so. great. Yeah, and the other thing that you mentioned was we've done some more specific measurements. So we've um, we've actually um, got the tape measure out, and Joe's been talking me through the, some specific measurements of just making sure the angles are right and heights are right, and very individualistic for for me. And so I think um, that's been really beneficial to to have a real tailored assessment to see um, exactly where things are at, and and some small some small minor adjustments um, have been really helpful to get um, yeah to, to get everything nice and lined up and. Um, so that when I am sitting, and hopefully not for too long, but when I am sitting, it's uh, it's comfortable. So um, yeah, I really appreciate that, and uh, I'm, yeah, big fan of big fan of what you're doing. Thank you. So just before we end, Joe, are there any top tips that people should take away that you would recommend in how to master your home working setup? Yeah, um, I think the first important thing is don't work on just a laptop. If you've only got a laptop to work from, raise it up on some books and buy yourself a separate keyboard and a separate mouse. Um, second top tip is move regularly. So have some form of little reminder so that you're not sitting there for hours on end. Um, another top tip is think about when you're doing exercise, building in cardiovascular flexibility and strength training. And also when it comes to um, your keyboard position, make sure that keyboard is, is closer towards you so that elbows are in line with shoulders. And also get your chair height at a good height so that your elbows are actually slightly higher than the desk that you're working from. Um, if you do start getting any comfort issues, my advice would be actually tell your employer and seek advice uh, with regard to that because it's much easier to help early on um, rather than leaving it um, for a period of time. And um, yeah, just enjoy, enjoy what working from home can bring you and um, make sure that you have those routines in place so that you do actually switch off at the end of your working day um, and do something else. Great. No, I think that's a great summary for people to take Thank away. Thank you. So in closing, Joe, where would you like people to reach out to you? Where's the best place for them to go to find out more about work-life ergonomics and, and connect with yourself? Yeah, I'd love to hear from people. And probably the best place to go is to my website, which is www work-life-ergonomics.com and I'm also on LinkedIn so um, my profile on there is Joanna Julian and we've also got a work-life ergonomics page as well um, but yeah we'd love to hear from people individuals or businesses um, about how we can sort of support you with regard to working from home 
Um, I think when it comes to working from home, there are so many benefits. Um, we haven't got the commute. Um, we're not using that time to commute. Um, we've generally got more time to spend with our families. It's better for the environment because we're not commuting. Um, and I think businesses have generally seen that people are as productive at home as they were in the office. So my mission is really to ensure that people remain comfortable working from home because I'd like to see that this is an option for people to do because of the, the many other benefits. Um, and I'd hate to see that people had to keep going back to the office just because they weren't comfortable. Um, so that's that's my aim to do that. Oh, that's great. And, and just so the listeners know, I will link to your website and your LinkedIn and, and everything we've mentioned in this episode in the show notes at loombase.com, just, just to make it easier for people to find. Oh, great. Yeah, thank you so much, Joe. This is, uh, yeah, it's been a really great episode. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure to, to be on here with you both. And I think the work that you're doing is fantastic. Um, I think when it comes to health, we need to be putting so much more effort into prevention. Um, rather than just treating problems when they're there. So thank you for everything that you're doing too. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Loonbase. Loonbase is an all-in-one wellbeing platform for your workplace. Listeners of this podcast can get an exclusive deal. Just simply go to loonbase.com forward slash champions. That's loonbase.com forward slash champions to find out more.